live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. He's also the co-host of the Smart Money Happy Hour with Rachel Cruz, a very popular podcast that's kind of exploding out there. It's a really big deal. So we're here with you to help you today. The phone number is 888-825-5225. We're going to start this hour with Teray in Houston. Hey, Teray, what's up? Hi, Teray. How are you? Or We lost her. Maybe we're Off not. to a great start. Maybe we're not. Okay. <laughs> we'll try again. Let's see if I can do that one more time. Uh, Teray, are you there? Nope. Okay. All right. All right. We're just going to start with that then. Eric is in Albany. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you taking my taking my question. Sure. What's up? So, I I I keep getting into my head and wanting to liquidate all my investments and pay off my mortgage. Um. And I, I, I kind of know that, like, mathematically, that's probably not the right choice, but, like, I feel like it would be a major pressure reliever and then to be able to go back through and just use all my discretionary cash to start going back in and, and rebuilding my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So how much do you have in uh, your portfolio? Uh, I have my, my stock portfolio. I have – where is uh, – $180,000. Did you say 180 or did you say 80? 180,000. Okay. And what's your mortgage balance? My mortgage balance is like 170. Okay. All right. And those are the the portfolio you're discussing is not in a retirement account, correct? Yeah, it's a taxable account, yeah. Okay. And you're debt free other than your home? Yeah, for the most part, I have I, you know, I have a credit card that's got a very low balance on it that I literally just charged last month that it paid off by the end of the month. Okay, and what's your household income? Uh, free tax about two hundred sixty. Good for you. Well done. How old are you? I'm forty. Okay, and so uh, th- so you're saying that mathematically it doesn't make sense, and I would even challenge that part. I think mathematically it does make sense to pay off your house. Um, well, we bought we bought my house in 2012, and um, we we got we got like three and a half percent interest on it. So at yeah. this point, we've overpaid on it ever since, and, and paid biweekly. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm like not really paying any any interest on it, and what interest I am paying is is minimal um, versus the returns that I've been able to get in the stock market. Yeah. Um, you know, but you've not factored in risk, right? There's no math for risk in your formula. And not factoring in risk mathematically is a naive formula. Mm-hmm. And um, so here's what we know. We know from the data of studying millionaires that the typical millionaire does two things that causes them to get to their first one to five million dollars, that they get out of debt, house and everything, and they build their 401k and the Roth IRAs and good growth stock mutual funds. The number of millionaires that we asked that said, and we said, okay, did you leverage your home in order to invest in stocks, and that's why you became a millionaire? The number of them that say that is very close to zero. They say stuff like, well, Lord, no, I got out of debt. 
Isn't that interesting? So the formula that you're proposing is mathematically correct, um, is not used by hardly any millionaires to get to millionaire status. Translation, your formula is wrong. So, Eric, would you take out against your home a $180,000 loan to invest into single stocks? Um, that'd be it. You know, if, it, if, if, if that were all I was doing for, for a living, yeah, sure, why not? But If you were day trading um, for a living, basically? Uh, yeah. Um, you also yeah, probably but, wouldn't be sleeping at night. You'd lose relationships because you'd be staring at these numbers, making sure they no, go up all the time. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. So there's a piece of this uh, where, just, man, I can feel that you're craving that piece, but you're stuck on the starry-eyed, but what if I got this return on that money? Yeah. And the guaranteed return in your house, I think, is way more valuable. So here's what I would do. You called us, and so uh, really, really simply, I would cash out the stock and pay off the house today. Now, then I don't have a house payment. I have an increased stability at the very foundation of my life and my financial plan, because I, you, you cannot grasp and you actually can't mathematically capture that. It feels different to walk through your backyard with no shoes on. The grass feels different when you don't have a mortgage. You cannot capture that. You cannot capture what this does, that the stress release, even if it's minor, what that does for your relationships. You cannot capture what it does for your boldness and your excellence in your career. Uh, And all of those things over time, the math actually plays out that people of means, people of wealth, actually do not take out home mortgages to trade and sell, buy and sell single stocks. Those are called day traders, 78% of which lose money and um, lose a lot of other things while they're doing it. So Georgia, You only hear that, about the ones that win. Well, and, you, and they're always temporary because, you know, it's the same thing as playing the slots. Oh, I won at the slots, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they built those casinos, okay? Not by you winning at the slots, I can tell you that. So mathematically, just because you hit it once doesn't mean you're going to – so all of that to say, Eric – I'm going off the data of the 30 years of doing what I do, walking alongside people, watching their lives transform, watching their relationships, their careers blossom, uh, and their portfolio. Because when you don't have a house payment and you make $260,000 a year, you can build up $180,000 really quick if you want to screw around with single stocks. Won't take long at all. So good question. Thank you for calling. Pay off your house today, sir. Yeah, the whole end goal of both of our discussions is build wealth. The question is, what is the best path to do it? And we have found that doing it with the least amount of risk possible puts you in a better financial position long term. And so what we're saying here is you're going to build wealth either way. You could lose your butt hanging on to these single stocks in the next week, depending on who tweets what, or you could have a guaranteed return with no house payment, making $260,000. You think you can build wealth with that situation? Absolutely. A hundred percent of the time you can. So, uh, and a hundred percent of the foreclosures occur on a home with a mortgage. So (laughs) didn't have to do a lot of research on that. It'll come to you later. I promise. Uh, so that's the idea folks. That's the idea. What is your most powerful wealth building tool? Is it your home equity? Nope. It's your income. The person in your mirror is the secret sauce for you to build wealth, for you to build a quality life. You're the secret sauce. You're the answer. No one's going to do it for you. 
and there is no magic pill that you've yet to discover. Just go, go in there, brush the fog off of the mirror after the shower and look at that guy, look at that gal and go, you're the problem. You're the solution. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel. You've heard me talk about Christian Healthcare Ministries, a health cost-sharing ministry, but I want you to hear from one of their members. Abby racked up a lot of doctor bills with a recent pregnancy, but she said CHM shared all of her eligible pregnancy-related medical expenses and their staff was consistently attentive, helpful, and considerate. That's Abby's CHM story, and it could be yours. Learn more and join chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. George Campbell, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Well, a lot has changed over the years here on The Ramsey Show, but our practical advice on life and money never has, I can tell you that. For over 30 years, millions and millions of folks have tuned into The Ramsey Show for money, relationships, career, and life advice. And whether people are up to their eyeballs in debt and wondering how they can't get ahead or they are spending their days in a dead-end J-O-B and trying to find hope, trying to find a way. Well, we're excited to announce that the Ramsey Show is now also on TBN. And you can tune into the Ramsey Show on TBN weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. Get your daily dose of life, money, career, and relationship advice. Hey, be sure and jump in there. We'll see you then. George Campbell, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. And I think we've got Tere in Houston lined up now. Hey, Tere, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Better than we deserve. What's up? Well, thank you guys for taking my call to start. Um, so basically, I purchased a home, my first home, back in October, and I am now experiencing buyer's remorse. It's just been a lot of, if it's nothing, it's something. Everything's broken. Everything needs to be fixed. Everything needs to be replaced. Um, and so I guess my question is, if I did not make the best decision, how do I make the best decision moving forward in rectifying, controlling, and maintaining my financial responsibilities to build and so forth. So is this a fixer-upper that you bought? Like, are, are these shocking repairs, or do you know some of this going in? No. Um, it Basically, the, it's a house that was built in 83, and a lot of the renovations that were done were poorly done. Okay. And this buyer's remorse, is this coming from the mortgage payment being too big or is it all these repairs that you don't have the cash to do? Where's that coming from? Both. Both. I feel like I'm paying too much on my mortgage for all of the repairs that I'm ending up having to take care of now that I've moved in. So how much is your house payment? Um, right now I'm paying 1865. Okay. And what's your take home pay a month? A month, 74. Okay. Your house payment's not too high. Okay. So that's not a problem. You're just not used to paying a house payment yet, okay? But it, it's it's in the zone of it's it's less than a fourth of your take-home pay, so you're fine. What do you do for a living, Teray? I recruit for oil and gas. Good for you. Okay. Well, um, what uh, what I think is going to happen is 
um, that you're probably going to get the other side of the bulk of these repairs. I don't know what exactly you've had to fix or do. What what, what are some examples of the three biggest, most worrisome things that, and the cost of them that you had to fool with? Um, one of the, one of the things I have not started working on, but it is something that is being told that I need to start planning is the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, the majority of the appliances that look to be new are having to be replaced. Um, insulation is completely poor. I have to have someone to come in and look at that. So th- those right now are just a few of the things that I'm trying to work on. Okay. Who told you that the roof had to be replaced? Um, at the time when I first moved in, um, I did use my VA home loan. So the inspector that the VA sent out, um, he was very particular about the roof. And that was a major concern when it came to, you know, finalizing the purchase. It wasn't a concern enough that the VA appraiser required a roof. Right. If it was bad, VA would have required a roof or they wouldn't have put the loan on it. Okay, so now who told you there's it needs a roof? Is it leaking? Um, we had a a technician come out during Christmas because the AC was a problem, and he told me that it was it was leaking around somewhere in the attic, which was causing mold or some sort. And he was just like, "It's not major, but it is something that I wanted to look into." I'm very um, I'm an overthinker. Um, this, like I said, this is my first home. I'm new to all of this, so yeah. I. I'm panicking right now, yeah. and I'm just trying to stay on top of everything. Yeah. So you're a self-admitting that you're catastrophizing. Okay. The guy <laughs> went up there. So. The guy went up there, and he said, "There's a leak and a little bit of mold. You need to get that looked at." And you went, <laughs> "I gotta get a whole roof." <laughs> right. Possibly so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what I heard. I might be wrong. And I, I do that too. That's how I can recognize it. So um, we all have a drama queen that lives inside of us, every one of us. And part part of making good decisions, you ask how to make good decisions, is to tell the drama queen to shut up. Um, and that you know that's part of it. You you got to look at yourself and go, you're, you're, you're really come on. So yeah, you probably do need to get that roof looked at, but it might be a few hundred dollars instead of ten thousand to put on an entire roof. It might need a little bit of uh, shingle replacement there, or there might be a leak around one of the vents, and they put a new boot on it and caulk it up, and you're just fine. So a good handyman getting up there and fixing that one area and you know shooting some stuff, killing the mold in that one little area uh, so it doesn't get worse, and you don't go up there later and the whole attic has grown full or something like that. So, yeah, address it, but don't overthink it. And, and then – you know, all of the appliances need look new but need to be replaced. Are they not working? Absolutely not. What's I not working? The, your dishwasher doesn't work. No dishwasher, stove, refrigerator, nothing. The, none of them work? No. Did the inspector catch any of this? No. Did you have That's a home inspection? I even, I, yes, I had two home inspections, and I had a gas leak that was so extreme. I couldn't stay in my house for two days, and I didn't know. Like, how I asked, how did y'all miss this? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your home inspector is an idiot. Okay, <laughs> yeah, obviously, right? I mean, you miss a gas leak yes. and and appliances yes. that don't work. That's a basic thing. You go through and turn mm-hmm. on all the appliances. It's it's basic home inspection stuff. Okay, so the great news is you make good money. Your house payment's not out of control. You probably don't need an entire roof. You do need a new dishwasher. Uh, Have you asked appliance repair people to come and just repair the existing ones, or are you just planning to replace them completely? 
Um, I was trying to see if I had some type of ability through my homeowner's insurance, um, if that could be rectified with them. Um, no. It's not. No. So I'm going to have to pay. Homeowner's insurance doesn't it. cover your dishwasher not working. So just have a guy come out and either look at it and fix it or replace it. A few hundred bucks. I mean, they're not they're not ten thousand dollars. Do you have any other debt, Teray? Um, outside of my a little credit card debt and a few thousand old on my car, no, that's it. Okay, and when it comes, you said we. Do you have a spouse involved here? Uh, did I say we? I do apologize. Okay, uh, it's just you. You're single. Okay. Yes. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, what's happening is all of these things are up flying around and, and, and just about the time you wake up in the morning or about the time you're about to doze off at night, they're overwhelming. Instead, what I want you to do is just write down a list of what needs to be repaired and what you're going to do about it. Okay. So, okay. Dishwasher. I'm going to call a repairman and if it can't be repaired cheaply, I'm going to replace it. Refrigerator. I'm going to call a repairman if it can't be repaired cheaply i'm going to replace it roof i'm going to have a handyman type come out not a roofer trying to sell me a roof that just looks at it finds the one little leak fixes the one little leak and sprays some stuff and kills the mold okay and you just you you develop a list with an action plan and when the weird thing is if you'll write it down literally on a yellow pad a little repair to do list then you're going to look at it and it's going to suck the drama out of your brain and it's going to drop right there on that page because you're going to go, oh, this is doable. How? Because it, it, when it all comes at you at once, it's overwhelming, creates anxiety. When you break it down into bite-sized pieces, one task at a time, one broken thing at a time, you can work through an entire remodel doing that. And you don't have an entire remodel. We're just exchanging the boogeyman for the repairman. Yeah. That's the switch here. This is the your first experience being a homeowner where you don't call the landlord and say your stuff's broke. Instead, you've got to take care of it when it breaks. It's one of the reasons we say get out of debt, have an emergency fund before you become a homeowner. Because all the stuff would have been an inconvenience at that yeah. point. And, you know, you, you make enough money to get through this. I, and no, you don't need to sell your house. And really, you don't even need to have buyer's remorse. I mean, uh, there's a couple of weird things that are here. The inspector missing this stuff, but nothing here says this house is a lemon, that you're the biggest screw-up in life because you bought it, you're a horrible person. I didn't hear any of that in this discussion. You got a couple of things broken. Fix them. Joys of home ownership. And your payment's reasonable. Fix your dishwasher. Enjoy the house. It's that kind of stuff. Just kind of put the drama out of it, put it down on the page, break it down into bite-sized pieces. George Campbell Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Well, in the uh, twilight, uh, the in, as 2022 is coming to a close, uh, Congress passed a massive spending bill, of course, because um, that's what you should do if you're in Congress. And uh, But a good, the good news is, as a part of that, they also passed what is appropriately called the Secure act of 2022 
So what is the SECURE Act 2.0? Well, it changes a bunch of things in your retirement and a couple of things in your student loans as well. And a good blog at RamseySolutions.com right now, very good detail on this unpacked. Uh, if you want to get in there and really look at it and, and plug around, I think we post those blogs on Facebook too, if I remember, James. And uh, But George, I want to take a minute since that blog's out there and you guys can go through it all and, and look at it in detail. But for those of you that don't make it over the blog, let's hit the highlights. Yeah, there's a ton in here that really help a lot of people with their retirement. I mean, it's Secure Act stands for setting every community up for retirement enhancement. So kudos to the marketing team that got to create that little acronym there. Yeah, well, good luck with that part. But anyway, it's good it's good updates. It's some things that needed to happen. Yeah, so it's starting with required minimum distributions. You'll hear these called RMDs. The age is rising to 73 instead of 72, which means you have an extra year without the government tapping you to get some of their cash. Yeah, it, required minimum distributions are your 401k, your Roth, or your, not Roth, your traditional IRAs. They require you to start taking money out at a minimum schedule so they can tax it. And it used to be 70 and a half, then it moved to 72, and with this it moves to 73. So you can leave your money alone and not touch it till 73 now. That's good. Next one, no more required minimum distributions from Roth 401ks and Roth 403bs. So this one's interesting because you've already paid the taxes on it. So they're saying you've already paid the taxes, you can just have it. It doesn't do anything to force you to tar- start taking it out on RMDs. So we're going to let you just let it sit there and grow tax-free. You don't we ever love have that. to take it. Another reason to love a Roth. That's great. Next up, smaller penalties for missed required minimum distributions. It was 50%. It's coming down to 25%. Yeah, if you miss your RMDs. Yeah, That's good. Uh, next, higher catch-up contributions on the way. So if you're 50 years or older, there's a lot of great uh, ways you can step up your retirement. You know, put an extra 1000 in your IRA, for example, an extra 5000 an extra 7500 in your 401ks, and they're increasing that. Yeah, 60 to 63, beginning in 25, not in 2025, January 1, if you're age six to six, 60 to 63, you'll be able to put $10,000 annually into a workplace retirement plan, an additional $10,000. And so it allows you, if you're, quote, running behind, is it too late for me? This is for you, right? Love it. All right, next up on the good news front, easier access to retirement funds for emergencies, or is it? Not good news. That's one of the downers of this plan here. We were doing so great, Dave. We we were on a great roll. We were a thousand until we got to stupid land here. And so here's what this means. Uh, Starting in 2024, you can withdraw up to $1,000 from your retirement account for personal or family emergencies. If you've been listening to the show for more than uh, 10 seconds, you'll know that you should never tap your retirement accounts for emergencies. Yeah, you should have an emergency fund and leave your freaking retirement account alone and let it grow and make you rich. Absolutely. All right. Dum, 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 dum. Here's an interesting one. Curious to get your take on this, Dave. Employers must automatically enroll you into a workplace retirement plan. This is nanny state stuff. Holding your hand. This is we're going to take care of you because you're too stupid to take care of yourself idea. And so now when you join a company that has a 401k, the company is required to sign you up for the 401k automatically. At an automatic minimum contribution rate of 3%. And if you don't want that to happen, you have to opt out manually go in and opt out you have to stop it from occurring 
Uh, see, I, that's too much control. It's got a good intent. Want everybody to have a retirement account. That's a good thing. Yes, you need to be in your 401k, but let's say you're working the baby steps. You would need to opt out because Pause. you're not doing 401k because you're on baby step two. Well, and the other problem is if you are in a place to invest, you've got 3%. You don't realize it. You need to up that to 15% if you're out of debt with a fully funded emergency fund. Yeah. So it, be sure you pay attention to that yeah, stuff. Don't, don't, you know. We're from the government, and we're here to help. These are scary words, okay? A 3% rate is not going to get you very far in retirement, so we've got to do better for sure. Uh, Next, this has been one of uh, some hot debate. Employers can match your student loan payments with retirement contributions. It's confusing. Yes. Because it sounds like they're paying your student loans. Now, some employers are now offering a benefit that has nothing to do with this, just where they will help you pay your student loans off one way or another whatever it is they'll give you they'll match you they'll do whatever it has nothing to do with anything uh as far as this stuff goes this is not that this is you pay up to three thousand dollars on your student loan and your employer puts up to three thousand dollars into your 401k which doesn't it's just like wouldn't that incentivize you to never pay off your student loans we want you to eat apples so we're going to chop oranges it's just weird. It's it, you, you mix these things up, and, and people are, are getting confused about it already. They think it means the government's going to pay part of your student – or the employer's going to pay part of your student loan and match you on what you're putting on your student loan. They're not. They have to put it in the 401K. So it's weird. Well, it's, it's because it's Anything loans. that gets more money against your student loan or causes you to do that, anything that gets more money into your retirement – I'm for all of that, but this is just convoluted and weird. Well, wouldn't you be pissed if you already paid off your student loans or didn't have any, and Joe Schmo's next to you is getting an extra three grand in his 401k? That's a benefit, though. That's your employer offering a benefit. The employer's not required to offer this benefit. I'm curious to see how many employers do this. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll... Well, you never know. You never, never know. know out there. All right. Next up, you can roll over unused 529 plan funds to a Roth IRA. Ding, ding. This one's good. This one I love, because that's been a big you know, point of objection. People go, well, Dave, what if my kid doesn't go to college? They don't use all the money. That money's just wasted. Yeah, it's not. You, now after you can roll 50, it After over. 15 years, your kid rolls it into their Roth IRA, no penalties. Up to the annual contribution. So rate. you put 100, 150000 bucks into a uh, 529. Uh, kid uses seventy five or $80,000 of it. Whatever's left in there sits there 15 years growing tax-free in good mutual funds. And then they roll it into a Roth IRA into good mutual funds, and it continues to grow tax-free. No penalties. That one I'm a huge fan of. I love this one. This is a fun one, too. Roth options are now available for simple IRAs and SEP IRAs. So folks that are self-employed, business owners, this is cool. I'm confused. I thought that was already there. I'm not sure they didn't didn't already have that, but I could be wrong. So it's good, though. Yeah, the simple IRA is simply a 401k for small business. Uh, and the SEP IRA is a uh, the simple simple incentive match plan to, for it's it's best used by a uh, a solopreneur because if you have employees you have to put the same amount in you got to put it. in for yourself so we seldom use SEP IRAs much but simple IRAs are great for small businesses to open up and now they can do a Roth that's good news and lastly new emergency savings account option alongside retirement accounts. Mm-mm. So this one's a little different than the previous one, um, but it's saying that the employer can set aside up to 2500 annually for non-highly compensated employees in a separate emergency savings alongside their retirement account. Yeah. So it's a little sidecar here. 
Yeah. But and is it invested? The problem is, is twenty five hundred is not enough for an emergency fund, and so then you've got the thousand you can take out of your four hundred one k for your emergency, and you've got it all over at the employer, and so people get the idea: oh, my emergency fund's taken care of. It's not. It's not enough money. There's very few of you that three to six months of expenses represents twenty five hundred bucks. Mm. So this is a this is one of those head fakes that the government's saying: hey, look, we did something, and you didn't really do anything. Because it's not, it's not sufficient to cover it. Now, if they could do up to $10,000 in there or something, that might cover some people's you know, re- emergency not fund. Not enough to, to do any damage yeah, here. I, I so. wouldn't use this instead of your emergency fund, and I wouldn't use the option to cash money out of your 401k for emergencies either as your emergency fund. I wouldn't do either one. I'd leave all of that alone. Well, credit where credit's due. There's a lot of wins in here, and you guys can check out the entire article. We've got it linked in the show notes, wherever you're listening, of course, at RamseySolutions.com. But... I needed a win today. I'm going to call this a win. I'm going to call it a win. We pick on, and we we can even allow uh, President Joe Biden to call a win. He signed it. I'm sure he's already tweeted it. He signed it, and so he gets a win on that. Way to go, President Biden. You don't hear that often from Dave. Not not at often at all. Can't shoot down a balloon, but you can sign this. This is the Ramsey Show. Joining us, America. George Camel Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Nick is with us. Nick is in Louisville, Kentucky. Hi, Nick. How are you? I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Love it. How can we help, brother? Um, I recently started uh, following y'all on YouTube, and I'm trying to figure this all out. I don't know if you go over it in your uh, school and or college, whatever it's called, university. But I have a question about tithing. I've been able to do it pretty well, and on my tax return, I know you say that it's just a refund, but am I supposed to tithe on it? Oh, your tax refund. Would you tithe on it? Yeah. Uh, if you've tithed on your total income, no, because that's just your money coming back to you. Let, let's say that you tithed on your total income and you took $5,000 and put it in a savings account. When you took the $5,000 out of the savings account, you wouldn't pay tithe on it. Because it had already right. been tithed on before you put it in there. A tax refund is exactly the same thing. If you're tithing on your gross uh, income, are you? Before you're tithing I mean, before tithe tax or after tax? After tax. After tax. Yeah. Let's see. So, well, I mean, uh, let me think how the math would work then. So, the refund. Now, tithe on what comes in. What you actually get in your hand. Is what you're tithing. Yes, what I get in my hand, whether it be yeah. a bonus or anything. And you paid too much in, which would have, if you had brought that home, you would have brought more home. In that case, you would tithe on the refund. Because if it was set okay. up properly and no refund, that money would have come home and you would have tithed on it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're tithing, yeah, on, you're like tithing on take-home pay, right? And your your take home right. pay is too low, that's why you got a refund. 
because you had too much taken out of your taxes. So if you correct this and had a zero refund, you would be bringing home more the equivalent of that refund. Does that make sense? Right. Right. And so it's a math riddle is all it is. But so let me let me just use that as an opportunity then to, you know, to go back to what we cover in, in Financial Peace University on tithing. Obviously, tithing is something it's a biblical uh, guideline for giving a tenth of your income. Uh, typically, it's uh, observed by evangelical Christians like me and George and you, Nick, I assume, and by uh, uh, Orthodox Jews. Jewish uh, tradition also respects and endorses the tithe as well, because it's an Old Testament item. It's their Bible, our Old Testament, so where it comes from. So having said all of that, uh, just let everybody know this is not like a uh, – and I don't don't sense this off of you, Nick. I'm just using the fact that you asked the question as an opportunity to talk about it a little bit. But uh, uh, you never tithe uh, from a legalism standpoint or this makes God love me more or he owes me something back because I tithe standpoint. This is simply me being obedient to my faith, and this is a baseline of giving to do a rhythm. Of giving, and a lot of people tithe. Uh, I tithe on my gross before taxes, not after tax. And that, in, the point, though, is it doesn't matter because uh, God's not mad at you or mad or, or more pleased with me because I gave more. That's not how this works. This is He, our heavenly Father, who loves us, is trying to teach us to be generous. And so a part of our rhythm is we make money, we give some of it. We make money, we give some of it. We make money, we give some of it. And that's why the tithe is tied into our spiritual walk. Uh, If you're not a Christian and you're out there, you're not Jewish and you're out there, you still need to observe something like this to create, to build your generosity muscle on a rhythm basis, not on an occasional random basis. So Mm. really, really good question, Nick. Yeah, it's nuanced, and the heart is the real issue, and Nick's got that part taken care of. Yeah. The motive is great. He's just wondering, the nuances of this I'm confused by, and you've always said in FPU, gross, net, we can have discussions all day and pull apart Bible verses. I tithe on the gross, and that way when I get to heaven, if I'm wrong, I'm on the upside, right? So (laughs) it's a joke. It's not a bad plan. It's a joke, okay? So here's, yeah. But it's always first in the budget for a good reason. It's a reminder. God does not need your money. He's God. If he wants something to happen, he'll do it. You don't have to worry about it. This is about him teaching you how to be generous, him teaching you how to build your generosity muscle by working it out. Every time there's a paycheck, I lift. Every time there's a paycheck, I lift that generosity up. I lift it. I do it. And it becomes a part of your life. Interesting study I read years ago, George, on this. It's worth sidebarring on because generosity is really the reason to build wealth. Change your family tree, take care of your your family, your kids, your grandbabies, that kind of stuff. A godly man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, um, and, and so inheritance is a biblical process, and, and also to be unbelievably outrageously generous and, and to push all that through. But one of the studies I found was they they interviewed people uh, asking them, uh, tell me about generosity tell me about a time that generosity is in your life and when they interviewed old people of faith they talked about a lifetime of this rhythm of giving steadily over time when they interviewed 
middle people, middle-aged people, they talked about the one time that they gave something. When they interviewed extremely young people like teens and even children, when they asked them about generosity, they described a time they received something. And the point being that as you emotionally mature, hopefully spiritually mature, you're going to start to realize what Nick is doing is whether you're a person of faith or not, it is a, uh, it's a part of your emotional maturity journey because the more mature people are the ones that described a steady diet, a steady life of outgoing generosity. The children receive, described receiving something. Mm. And so adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good, even applies to generosity. Man, that's incredible. Well, and it's such a great piece when we talk about there's only three things you can do with money. It's a tool. You can give it save it and spend it. And you've said that giving is the most fun you can have with money. It is. It just makes you more of uh, who you are. And so if you're a generous person, when you're broke, you're going to be real generous when you've got some money. Yeah. It increases your creativity, increases the quality of your relationships. There's all kinds of data that your quality of life goes up and your probability of wealth building goes up as you increase your generosity. And you live longer. Science is showing. Yeah. It, it's, it's Lowers your blood pressure to be generous. Exactly. It's amazing. It really does. Because you're other-centered instead of self-centered. Also, for that reason, generous people are more attractive. Uh, you want to be around them. Not because they're giving you money, but just because they're, they're the person that holds the door. They're the person to help you pick up your groceries when they spill out of one of those stupid bags and roll all over the parking lot, right? Well, I found they're less stressed. Yeah, that's it. That's amazing. Love it, love it, love it. So that's the thing. So, Nick, really good question. Thanks for letting us have that uh, as an excuse to get up on our yes. generosity soapbox. Because I got to tell you, very few times do selfish people make you cry. But generous people will make your eyes leak. When you start watching someone do something generous, it, it gets up in your throat and you feel it. Your throat gets tight and you're like, oh, man, that's just. That's just, and, and you're not even necessarily focusing on that person going, oh, that person is so cool. You're saying what they're doing is so mm. cool. And there's three types. There's planned generosity, which is great. There's spontaneous generosity, which can make us cry. But then there's outrageous generosity, which is where the tears are just streaming down our face as we see the video on social media. And there's such a beauty and joy to it. And we could all use a little bit more of that this year. Yeah, Mind-blowing generosity that last one i like it just blow somebody's mind and you know have this opportunity to do something that is it's just unbelievable it's just wow and those are get yourself in a position to have those moments and and man when you're broke and all you're doing is paying payments to stupid mastercard and ford motor credit you're not thinking about other people all you're thinking about yourself Mm. and it's because you're trying to freaking survive it's not because you're a bad person But the more you get in control, the more you put together a plan, the more you can be other-centered. And it works. That's good. And everyone needs to go watch Lesson 9 of Financial Peace University where you talk about this. It is, man, gets me every time. It's a good lesson. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, George Camel here. If you love the show and you want a deeper dive on your money journey, we've got a weekly newsletter that gives you helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for the newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.